Hello, that's Sarah. That's Emily. And this is Lightweight True Crime. You, it's hard to open. Ugh, nails just just super strong. I know. I was just telling Emily I've really been working on trying to tone up my nails at the gym. Something to do. It's because you almost no. It looks broke blue. Off it looks blue. Like, see, look, there's some liquid that like you know splashed out. It does look a li- little blue. For the record, the liquid we're talking about. Uh, Emily and I are drinking urine. mics. <laughs> we're drinking urine. Um, or it's part of a satanic ritual. No, we are drinking Mark's. Uh, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we are drinking Mark's and Mike's hard cider. Harder cider. As Lemonade. Listen, I was supposed to bring gin tonight. Oh I forgot to bring the gin. So as soon as I got off the freeway, I stopped at the gas station. Oh, this. Yeah. So this is Speaking what happened at the gas station. Yeah. So I stopped at the gas station because I'm like, oh, Sarah, you dummy. You forgot to bring the gin. They ask so little of you during this podcast and they feed you. You get to do your laundry and you can't even remember to bring the gin. So I'm like, what could, what to do? What to do? dive into the gas station i grab two of these mike's harder lemonade (laughs) ciders whatever um to bring with me and then i'm also like well good thing i stopped off here at the gas station because i'm on my period and i also forgot to bring extra tampons so i'm looking v classy with nothing but my phone and my wallet in my hands and i bring the two ciders up and at convenience stores like that they often have the feminine hygiene products behind the counter like i'm asking for goddamn cigarettes but i'm like no yeah. actually i'm just menstruating like a human yeah. woman and uh, so i go oh can can i have some tampons please and the woman goes she kind of like looks around and she's like looking at like toothpaste and all of like tylenol <laughs> and she's like oh i think we're out i was like oh Oh, I think they're right there. And she was like, oh, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. She goes, I I didn't see them because I've never used them before. And this woman was easily in her 40s. And so I was still menstruating. Yeah. yeah, And like probably has been, has been for, for a while. Some t- longer than you and I have. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's a weird thing to say. Uh, so I just, I, I wasn't going to ask her questions like, interesting. What is your sanitary product of choice? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't bring it up. And then she starts asking me questions about the tampons, oh how they work, how you put them in, how you take them out. And I was just like, lady, all I'm looking to do is procure some yeah. hard cider and a couple of tampons and not give you the talk that you're fifth grade health teacher clearly did not which nobody taught me how to use a tampon either no that's just no man's land you got to figure that ish out on your own yeah except for the american girl care and keeping of you book did you have that i did i mean it was but a cartoon it still didn't really help me yeah i didn't master that until i was almost out of college <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now i use thinks now you use thinks interesting didn't i like we mentioned things on our last episode we did we're still not getting paid to mention things we're still not getting paid to talk about our periods ad nauseum man i really hope our seriously somebody needs to learn how to monetize bleeding because (laughs) it's just not worth it okay so i just had my first sip of the black cherry what do you think lemonade 
it kind of tastes like cough syrup. Um, oh my gosh, there's a thing on it that says Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drink until oh you are gosh. 21. Oh, that's funny. Oh, I thought I was gonna say don't drink and drive. Well, that honestly, too. that's more important to me. Um, but it has been crafted to remove gluten, so there you go. Wow, premium malt beverage with natural flavors and certified certified colors. What makes a color certified? <laughs> I certify you as blue. As blue, this kind of purpley black cherry. Um, I'm trying to think. Any business? Any business? Follow us on Instagram. I would really love yeah. to break 100 followers soon on the old I Instagram. Know. At Lightweight Seriously. True Crime. Did, so you sent me something from the Lightweight Instagram today. You I did. sent it to my I personal was, thing. It was hilarious. I was on the account and I saw something and I was like, I'm not going to log out and log back into mine. And yeah, no. Emily. Was it the Lizzie Borden thing? Yeah. Because I was like, listen, Emily, everybody else knows about Lizzie Borden. That was the motivation for sending you the meme. Yeah, yeah, But it was a it was a meme from True Crime Queen. Who our I've friend, that friend, you, friend of the podcast. You've been talking to via yeah. the interwebs. Yeah. She's cool. Neato. I love her page. Skeeto. And she has a podcast. So, yeah, she has a podcast, too, called True Crime Queen. It's a little bit different than ours. True but Crime Queen. Y'all would probably like it. It's it's shorter. Ryan would appreciate it. Yeah, Ryan thinks we do things about three yeah. times too long. Because it's just her. Her name's Ginger. She just talks about one thing. Well, so it's like... When I dump you from this podcast and I go solo, I'll remember that. She does live in Washington. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I'm not going to dump you from this podcast. Okay. This is your brainchild. It really is. Uh, also send us emails to lwtruecrime at gmail.com if you yeah. have some stories you'd like us to cover. Or detox questions. Or detox questions. I don't have one yet for this episode, so this is going to be fun. So Y'all are going to hear this in real time. I uh, hope that uh, someone sends you an idea in the next 45 minutes. Yeah. But this is the podcast where two girls share a drink and a story. We've already gotten into our drinks, so Emily, would you please... Tell me a story. Oh, that segue Hey-o. was phenomenal. No. Yeah, I'll tell you a story. So I'm going to tell you about the Grim Sleeper. <gasps> Do you know this? Yes. So I don't know how I have not known this yet, but I came across the documentary on Hulu called The Tales of the Grim Sleeper, I think is what it's called. Something about tales, something about Grim Sleeper. Um, something about so tales. This all takes place in the south side of Los Angeles. So just to give you guys a little bit of background for those of you who are not from L.A. or who have never heard of South Central, it is known for being very dangerous. The crime rate in South Central is 83% higher than the rest of America. In 1985, um, right in the middle of these murders taking place, um, the murder rate per 100,000 people was 1,181. And I wrote in here, that's almost 12% of the population, right? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> I tried to do, I tried to do like fractions. Like I tried to do like 1,181 divided by 100,000. Cause like in my mind, I hear like per, and I'm like, that's a fraction. Mm-hmm. But that would mean that 12% of the population was murdered. And that just doesn't seem right. So a whole heck of a lot of people. It's just a very high rate. Are getting murdered. Yeah. In South Central. Um, and so right at the beginning of all of these murders. So in 1980, LAPD started labeling certain murders. So 
if anyone was a known drug dealer or a sex worker or basically anyone that they assumed to be one of those things. Poor. Correct. A so of color. if you lived in South Central, you were likely to have been and you were murdered. Your murder was probably more likely than not going to be labeled as NHI. No human involved, which <gasps> is ridiculous. Wow. Then in the 80s, the police were like, nobody cares about these. Let's call them no human involved because they're basically not humans, which is like insane. That's horrifying. Like you hear about like racism happening and like slavery and like, oh, they just thought that they were less than human. But then like in the 80s, like they vocalized like these people are less than human. Right. Right. So. In response to that, Margaret Prescott starts the black women count movement um, to pressure the LAPD into connecting some of these murders that are happening in South Central. Because to the people who lived there, it was very clear that there was at least one serial killer because of the way that people were like being found or being killed. Everybody in the community was like, if you don't link these things together, they're going to keep happening because if you don't link them together, you're not going to find this guy. This is just like the Atlanta child murders and the moms who came yeah. together to be like, pay attention. Like something bad is happening. Yeah. Like, and, and like justice doesn't get served in that community unless like you shout for it. Yeah. Which is a tragedy. Totally. And this is like around the same. No, that was like in the sixties, huh? Uh, no, I think it was eighties, seventies. Oh, I don't know. It was in time. It was in time. Yeah, before in the nineteen hundreds. Sure. So, um, I'm gonna start just at the beginning and go through yeah, it chronologically. Go for it. Keeping in mind how the LAPD are treating these kinds of cases. So, on August 16th, 1985, Deborah Jackson is found in an alley off of West Gage Avenue. She was raped and then shot twice in the chest, and she was found under an old carpet, and she was fully clothed. A year later, on August 12th of 1986, Henrietta Wright was found off of West Vernon Avenue. She was also raped and shot twice in the chest. She was found wrapped in a blanket and then covered with a mattress. She was also fully clothed, but she was missing her shoes. And then two days later, a man named Thomas Steele was found at the intersection of 71st and Halldale. He was shot once behind the ear and dumped in the middle of the road. It was suspected that he was killed because he could identify Henrietta's killer. Oh, wow. So somehow the police were able to connect Henrietta and Thomas and be able to, like, say even then, like, we think this guy is connected because so far everyone has been shot with a 25 caliber okay. gun. Which doesn't seem very common to me. You always hear about like twenty two or whatever. Um, then again, we're not gun. Right. I don't really know guns. So I don't know. Um, and then January 10th, 1987, Barbara Ware is found off of 56th Street. She was shot once in the chest and she had trash covering her clothed body and a plastic bag was over her head and chest. Wow. Which when I worked in schools, in real person schools, not online, I worked on 52nd and Western. Oh my gosh. I lived right in the middle of this. Wow. Which is nuts that like, I've never heard of this. Yeah. I worked like right there. Yeah. Um, April 15th, 1987, 
Bernita or Bernida Sparks was found in an alley off of Western Avenue. She was raped and one shot to the chest um, and had one shot to the chest. This is like such a clear MO. It's unreal. Right. Yeah. I know. And at like now they haven't like linked them all together. Wow. Yet, which is crazy. Um, but she was also strangled and had blunt force trauma to the head. So now we're seeing a little bit of a difference. Um, she was found in a trash bag and then covered in trash and she was also fully clothed. So we see, I mean, so far everyone is in an alley near trash cans. Shot in the chest. In trash, shot in the chest. Sexually assaulted. Sexually assaulted. November 1st, 1987, Mary Lowe was found in an alley near some bushes off of Western Avenue. She was raped and shot once in the chest. A neighbor reported seeing her get into an orange pinto with a young black man the night before. So this is the first time that people actually see the victim before this happens and can say what their last actions were, basically. So now people are like looking for this orange pinto and a young black man. Which is not a lot, really, to go on. Yeah, not a it's, lot to go off. It's the eighties. Lots of people had pintos. There were also lots of young black men. Yeah, and it's particularly in South Central. Yeah, yeah. Um, so January thirtieth, nineteen eighty-eight, Latricia Jefferson was found in an alley off of One Hundred and Second Street with two gunshot wounds to the chest. She was placed under a mattress with a napkin over her face, and the napkin had the word AIDS written on it. Wow. So. And this is what, 87? So yeah. This is like the height of the AIDS epidemic? Yeah. So two things come to mind when thinking about Latricia is the AIDS um, being written on the napkin. Um, a lot of these women were either suspected or known sex workers. Mm. And at the time, obviously in the 80s, like the AIDS epidemic was, yeah. I want to say like, roaring, but that well, feels yeah, wrong. No, it was roaring. Yeah. It was like full swing. Yeah. People and weren't sure like how you got it how you could transmit it or not yeah, yeah. And, and so and it was a death sentence yeah and basically like if you were like an intravenous drug user or a sex worker you're more than likely you're at much higher risk yeah, yeah, yeah. to contract it um and then the mattress thing how the heck is this person finding so many mattresses yeah that is that's like, an interesting thing that they're all like covered in one way or another yeah and like how many mattresses have I said so far? I think at least three. Yeah, that's nuts. I wouldn't even know where to get like an old mattress. Oh, maybe he had a mattress connection. Maybe he had maybe a mattress Maybe he did. Guy. You're right. Even though I know who it is. <laughs> maybe he did. And I just don't know that yet. Okay. And then September 11th, 1988, Alicia, who goes by Monique, Alexander was found in an alley on the corner of 43rd and Western. She had two gunshot wounds to the chest and was covered in a mattress that was nude and was nude. So this is the first time that a victim's not wearing clothes. Um, and 43rd and Western was on my route to get to school. Wow. And there's a church right there. And when I was working there, no, actually, never mind. This is a different, there's another victim. Oh, on, okay. On 80th. I'm thinking of 80th. I'll tell the story now that I'm into it. So like 80th and Western... There's a church there. And when I was working there, there was a hit and run mm. in that intersection. And I remember I was like super late to school because the r whole street was closed. And it wasn't like until I got to school and realized everyone else was late too. 
we like saw in the news what happened. Ugh, that's terrible. I know. It was like so sad because it was like across the street from the church was like a food bank and it was a woman who volunteered there. Oh, that's awful. And it's just so sad to know that like two women yeah. were yeah. killed in or such a short time frame. Yeah. It's that shouldn't happen. No. Okay. Pick back up. We are in 1988. Um, so on November 20th, 1988, um, Anitra Washington was rushed to Harbor UCLA Medical Center in Torrance, which is right down the street from so where, where we Maggie, are now. It's where Maggie works. Oh, Maggie works there? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, in the emergency room. Oh, well, if she was working there on November 20th, in 1988. <laughs> she was not, but I also pass it when I'm driving here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, in re- in Anitra Washington was there. Um, she had been picked up by a well-dressed, polite African-American man, and he had shot her in the chest, raped her, and then dumped her in the street. She didn't know the man's so name or survived. anything, so, so she, she survives. Wow. So she just assumed that it was a case of mistaken identity. So, like, she didn't really, like, make she a whole... He mistook her identity. Yeah. So he thought she thought that he must have assumed she was somebody else. Okay. So she didn't really make a a huge fuss about like finding him or connecting him to anything. So like the police didn't really like look much into it being connected to the to the murders. Um, but the murders stop. And so they kind of assume that at this point they're calling him the South Side Killer. Um, that either he died or maybe he was arrested um, and things kind of go quiet until 2001, a cold case review. Wow, that's a lot later. Yeah, a long time. 2001, a cold case review was done and they decided to try and use DNA found at the crime scenes to find the Southside killer. Um, and from what we know now is that he wasn't arrested or died or anything. I think he was just shooken up that Inrisha survived oh okay and so the last known victim survived. survived okay but in 2001 i don't think that they had like said anything to the public or anything but they had started trying to do genealogical testing which okay. was like super baby in 2001 oh, yeah. um and then on march 9th 2002 princess berthamu was found strangled in an alley um, she was 14 Ugh. and she was the youngest victim. Um, and she had been in and out of foster homes almost her whole That's life. Horrible. Um, and so like right when the police decide that they're going to start looking into this again is when the murders start happening happening again, which I think is just a huge coincidence. That's wild. Um, and then July 11th, 2003, Valerie McCorvey was found between 109th and 108th. Um, and she was found strangled. Um, January 1st, 2007, Janisha Peters was found shot in the back and dumped in a trash bag. Um, and at this time, they're able to connect um, Princess and Valerie's murders um, to the murder of Mary Lowe by DNA. Oh, wow. So they're able to, they knew that all of the murders that happened in the 80s were connected from M.O., and then being able to connect 
Valerie and princesses with DNA, they knew, okay, this guy's back at it again. That's wild. That's yeah. straight out of a movie. I know, seriously. And so then Janisha is killed. And at this time, at this point, they're calling him the Grim Sleeper because they're like, he took a 14-year nap because okay. he stopped yeah. killing for 14 years. That they know of. Yeah, exactly. So then later that year, in 2007, a man named Christopher Franklin is arrested. And now when people are arrested, the procedure is they take your DNA. Really? Yeah. If you get arrested, they take your DNA. Is that countrywide or state? I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So don't get arrested if you've done something. Well, I don't want my DNA leading to all the crimes I've committed. Exactly. So they swab his cheek and his DNA comes back connected to the 11 murders. Wow. Wait, so what was he arrested for? I don't know what he was arrested for. Okay, but it wasn't related. Yeah. So it wasn't related. Oh my gosh. But he's not the murderer. He is a close Oh my relative gosh. I didn't know that of part the murderer. of this. So they were trying to use genealogical DNA, but they were missing a piece oh because they were missing gosh. the actual DNA of somebody. So in a way, they kind of got to use genealogical oh, DNA. For sure. Yeah. Um, it just was not the way they expected it to happen. So Christopher Franklin was known to either be like a nephew or a son of the murderer. So it turns out that he is the son of oh my gosh. Lonnie Franklin. Um, so police go to his house, go to Lonnie Franklin's house on 81st Street in Western, um, which is right by the, the church that I was talking yeah. about. Um, and at his house, they find a 25 caliber gun, which matches all of the gunshot wounds. And 180 pictures of different women who are, like, naked or in underwear, oh like, gosh. posing. Yep. Um, and in the documentary tales of, from the Grim Sleeper on Hulu that I watched, there's a woman who works with the documentarian. Her name is Pam. Um, and they work together to try and find as many of these women as they can. Um, of that were photographed? Yeah. Because the police have released all the photographs in hopes that, like, people will be able to identify them and say, like, hey, that's me. I'm still alive. Yeah. Um, and so they were able to go and find a bunch of people who were in the pictures. Um, and a lot of them were like, I didn't know him. He paid me to just take this picture. And wow. then I left. Some of them were like, yeah, I was a sex worker at the time. He was a regular. He took my pictures, but like he never did anything weird. And some of them were like, nah, he was sketchy. He totally sexually assaulted me, took pictures, but he didn't kill me or anything. Um, And so they're still trying to find a bunch of the women in there in those pictures. So you can find them online if you just search like Grim Sleeper. Um, So on July 7th, 2010, Lonnie Franklin was arrested. Um, They spend like six years trying to dismiss the case Lonnie and his lawyer wow um so finally after tons of like failed attempts because they were all like total bs like Lonnie trying to say like I didn't know about guns or whatever like really stupid things that were like dude your DNA yeah is on the crime scene like stop trying to like find all these dumb loopholes so Finally, the trial begins on February 16th, 2016 and ends May 2nd, 2016. So pretty short for having 11 victims. Um, And the jury starts deliberations on May 4th, 2016. 
and they end deliberations on May 5th, 2016. <laughs> so they take one day. Yeah. And they find him guilty on all counts. Wow. And then on June 6th, 2016, Lonnie is sentenced to death where he sits on death row in California. Wow. Currently. Wow. I know. That is so bananas. That's like another Golden State Killer type case. Yeah. Where like you think he goes quiet. He like all these murders are committed. You think he goes quiet and then DNA leads you to like an older man. Yeah. And that is so wild and just has like so much to say about how like what zip code you live in has so much to do with whether or not like there's ever like justice for you or whether people are going to work to prevent bad things from happening to you. Um, That is just wild. I know. And it's just so, it's so interesting because the way that like the documentary is laid out is like the woman Pam, who's helping the documentarian, like used to be a drug addict and a sex worker and she just talks about it so openly and so free and she like the way that they go through finding the women in the pictures is she just goes back to the same streets that she worked and talks to all the sex workers who are out there and like they're on like the streets where like my school was Mm -hmm. and like it was such like being in it it seems so normal and now that I've not been there for like three years like watching it I was like oh my gosh I can't believe how like how how desperate those yeah yeah Yeah. exactly and how like little justice they get for those things yes yeah so and because like we are only ever as free or as safe as like the most vulnerable person in our community yeah and so if like the most vulnerable cannot be obviously like not every crime there's going to be a perpetrator arrest arrested and convicted but like with every crime there should be the same amount of effort put in exactly that and so while like the vulnerable in our communities aren't guaranteed that type of justice like it's not safe for us yeah like then we don't truly have it yeah And the last victim, Janisha, her mom was in the documentary and she talks about how like in the 80s, if the police had opened their eyes and investigated the first murder, they would have saved not only Janisha, but so many more of these victims that like if in the 80s they didn't like label these crimes as no human involved like they could have saved so many lives yeah i mean and that's and granted like sexual assault was a part of of these murders it's the same thing with like you know when you watch like mariska hargitay's documentary about the rape kit backlog like the number of men who commit sexual assaults like the percentage is really really small but that really small percentage is responsible for 100 percent yeah sexual assaults and so if you actually like put money in to to rape kit testing you you actually like prevent all these yeah. assaults from taking place yeah um yeah that's just wild yeah and so recent that he went to jail i know holy crap like i was working mm-hmm. at yeah this at the school that i was at yeah over there when and he went to jail and just the fluke like it makes you wonder if like maybe they would have eventually through like genealogical like 
family tree stuff. Yeah. If they ever would have found him had they not arrested his son. Yeah. That's bananas. And what's nuts is that, like, I didn't go into, like, Lonnie's, like, whole life and history because I don't think it's as important as the victim's lives. But he had been arrested before, but just before it was procedure for them to take DNA. So it's like he was arrested in the middle of some of these like murders and they just had no idea or DNA like wasn't a thing. Yeah, exactly. That's wild. Yeah. I'm sorry. These mics hard. They're making me burp as per usual. As I haven't even really had any as is my signature on this show. Yeah. Um, Butler, would you bring me an ice cream sandwich? We are now at a new, we now do a new thing in between episodes where we have an ice cream break and we originally all had three pints of uh, <laughs> half-baked Ben and & Jerry's, and we each have a pint in the freezer. But since I'm not here during the week, Ryan and Emily ate all theirs. But I still had some that I had on my ice cream break tonight. Did you finish yours? Yeah, I finished nice. it tonight. Okay. <coughs> well, it is time for my story. While the butler goes and gets Emily an ice cream sandwich. Fetch me ice cream. Fetch me ice cream. Because, you know, it sounds good. A Mike's Hard lemonade and an ice cream Mike's hard lemonades were like the first things I ever really drank like when I was like 19 and 20 in the summer like when I was home with my parents and they'd be like yeah sure you could drink it and I was like I am so grown up this means I'm a real adult lady me and Ryan's mom and his uncle John love Mike's hard (laughs) his uncle John and I have the same taste in alcohol like pink and fruity it's gotta be pink it's gotta be fruity that's a really special bond to have. I know. One time, he, one of his friends, Uncle John's friends, had this, like they were at a party or something, and he had this super expensive bottle of whiskey. He was like, do you have anything that I can like cut it with? And he was like, I've got Capri Sun. <laughs> and everyone was truly offended that he cut like a $100 bottle of whiskey with Capri Sun. Hey, good for Uncle John for being true to himself, you know? Yeah. Okay. So... I'm going to tell you the story of Janice Petropola and Lynn Seathaler. We're going to call them Janice and Lynn. Okay. Okay. Because those are complicated la- or okay. just difficult to pronounce last names. So in June of 1973, 19-year-old friends Janet and Lynn went on vacation together in Virbin- Virginia Beach, Virginia. They were from the Philadelphia area, but... We're going on vacation together in Virginia okay. Beach. This is sounds familiar. You might know it. I didn't know it at all. Um, and they rented a hotel. Or they rented a motel room near the ocean. They had both recently graduated from high school and started their first full-time jobs. Janice was an editorial assistant for a financial magazine, and Lynn was a secretary. The trip almost didn't happen. Initially, eight girls had planned to go, but six of them had backed out. You know how those things go. Um, and left only Janice and Lynn for this trip to Virginia Beach. So Lynn and Janice go, and they were scheduled to check out on June 30th. John Taylor was like a young man working in the motel office that Saturday, and it was an hour before checkout. And he wondered why the women in room one hadn't let him know about their plans so he could schedule when the maid could come in to clean up after them. Yeah. So he grabbed a key and headed to their room. To his horror, when he opened the door, he found both women brutally murdered on the floor of the room. Mm. So after police arrived, they determined that Lynn had been strangled and shot 
and Janice had been strangled, raped, and shot. The police surmised that their killer had entered their room by removing a screen in the window and climbing in that way. That is my biggest nightmare. That is horror town right there. Uh, That's why I have bars in all of my windows or like the not like bars in the windows windows but like like the like the dowel things yeah every single window we were locked out of our house the other weekend because we went on a walk and forgot our keys and had to like break into our house and it was like scary how easy it was easy it was girl you gotta get some dowels i know like well the problem is is that like in our bedrooms we have those super old windows (laughs) would you like to give out your address next yes it is (laughs) You have old windows. What do you mean you can't, like, put, can you not? No, no, like, we could put dowels, but they, like, you know how these newer windows automatically lock when you close them all the way? Right. They don't automatically lock. You sure. have to, like, and some of the locks don't work. Yeah. So. Even more reason. I ordered on yeah. Amazon. They're called Locket Blockets, and you can, like, adjust the size. And, oh. um, yeah. We bought that dowel over there. <laughs> It looks like it's really keeping people out of your home. They're <laughs> yeah. sitting in the corner we of the that room in, in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta get. Yeah. On so okay, so they had entered the room, or the killer had entered the room by removing a screen in the window and climbing in. The contents of the women's purses had been dumped on the motel room floor, but robbery was never considered a motive. What were they looking for? Oh, who knows. Hmm. So during their week in Virginia Beach, Lynn and Janice met several men on the beach. Like it was a vacation town. It wasn't like wild and crazy, but there were young people there and they had gone on multiple dates during the week. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, they're living their best lives. On at least two occasions, they invited some of their new acquaintances back to their motel for beer. Initially, the police questioned the young men that Janice and Lynn had been seeing, but never brought any charges against them. They, these men were among hundreds of people questioned and thousands of leads that were exhausted by 1988, 15 years after the girls had been found dead. We did everything we could. Then, then police captain William Hayden told the Associated Press, we flew in the helicopter, we searched rooftops, we climbed into manholes. DNA was collected at the crime scene and sent to the FBI for preservation, but the technology to test it would still be years in the making. And eventually the case went cold. Why do you think that they took and preserved DNA back then? Do you think that they like I knew? Think, I think they just knew that like one day this could be important. Or like one day we might be able to test this. Or else because so you're not sending off things to be preserved by the FBI yeah, that you don't that think dumb. could one day. Yeah. Because um, like Golden State Killer, they took right. DNA um, and, and granted like one... Like a bunch of the places that had it threw it away. Oh, excuse me, yawn. Um, you mean of, me yawn? Oh, I'm sorry. All these sugary drinks. Um, but like that one lab had kept some. Yeah. So I think they knew that like maybe one day. It's just so fascinating. It is cra- like it's wild that it happened that way though. So Captain Hayden, who it was his 31st birthday, the day of the murders, he took the case super personally. Um, going so far as to fly out to Los Angeles a decade after the murders to interview people he thought might be suspects with the hopes of getting the girls justice, but ultimately just hit another dead end. I have always referred to them as my girls, he told the AP and the Associated Press in 1998. I still don't know why this case is so personal. There's no way I can describe it to you. 
So in 2011, a Virginia television station did a story profiling the murders of Lynn and Janice, saying that they were only two of at least 12 women with similar physical traits who were murdered or went missing in Virginia Beach between 1973 and 1985. What? Though the police considered the possibility of a serial killer, investigators were unable to determine conclusively if the killings were connected. Some of the women were killed in their homes, and a few were found floating in the ocean. Several other women vanished from the oceanfront and have just simply never been found. That's so scary. Yeah. Of course you look at that. You wouldn't be worth the powder on your shoes if you didn't, Captain Hayden said. So Lynn and Janice's case was moved to the cold case unit, where detectives followed up on occasional tips that were called in and kept up to date on the latest technological and forensic advances with the hope that they might one day be able to solve the case and bring Lynn and Janice's families some closure. Then, in April of 2019, using forensic technology that did not even exist when Lynn C. Thaler and Janice Petropola were killed, police arrested 80-year-old Ernest Brodnax. Oh my goodness. And charged him with their murders. Mr. Brodnax had lived in New York since at least 1990, where he had been incarcerated three times for crimes, including assault. Uh, But not sexual assault, just like he broke a guy's arm during an argument. So it's interesting that he had never been to prison for, for, because usually you would expect like domestic violence, sexual assault. So state law had required him to submit DNA to a national database when he was convicted of a felony. And it was this database the detectives in Virginia tested the DNA found at their crime scene against. He had last been released from custody in 2013 after serving most of an eight-year sentence for assault where he had broken a man's arm during an argument at work. He had never done time or been charged with anything related to sexual or domestic violence, which I think is... Like, I'm sure it was happening, but yeah, interesting that he was never in jail for that. So after he'd been released in 2013, he had settled into an apartment in Queens uh, that was affordable housing available to veterans as uh, Ernest Brodnax had served in the army. After his arrest, Brodnax's neighbors told reporters that the 80 year old had been a recluse and a loner. One neighbor told the New York Post that he had hinted about having a dark past, but said that he had never, you know, given any details. Quote, he told me he did something years ago that he hurt somebody, the 62-year-old neighbor said. Another acquaintance who lived in the same veteran housing with Broadneck said, quote, as he got older, he was looking for forgiveness. He would tell me about what he did in the past. He talked about doing time. I thought they were what you'd just call war stories, end Mm. quote wild so mike petropola now in his late 50s was 11 when his sister janice and her friend left to go on vacation to virginia beach and never returned i remember her fondly she was a beautiful person she was so gentle so kind well liked in school she had great aspirations for herself she was going to start college in the fall she was just a terrific person said mike That day is etched in my mind and will be until the day I die. So for how young I was, an event like that leaves a permanent impression on myself and my sisters and my parents. And they passed away many years ago. And one of my biggest regrets is they couldn't be alive to see what's transpired. And that is the story of Janice Petropola and Lynn C. Thaler and the arrest almost 50 years later of their killer. So wait, how did they find him? Just DNA? 
So they had, so, so like, when he was arrested for a felony, he had to submit his DNA to a national database. Got it. And they had it. And because they were, like, monitoring, like, keeping up on it in the cold case unit, which is interesting that, like, this is the same that you were talking about, the Grim Sleeper, yeah. right? That, like, I, I doubt that as much time and attention was being put into those cold cases yeah, as the as cold case one. of, like, these two white women. Yeah. Um, not that attention shouldn't have been att- paid to this case, but, like, it should be equally Equal, paid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that that was fascinating that, an ad- you know, one day they knock on an 80-year-old man's door you okay i just bit the inside of my cheek okay you're eating this ice cream sandwich and you just look like you got a brain freeze i was like what is going on um but yeah i thought that was super interesting i was just so glad for their families like that they're at least their surviving siblings can know uh so and that's it's said that they at this time like police aren't saying that he killed the other women that are potentially attributed to a serial killer in the area at the time um but you never know it's nuts that like it because it sounds like this was his only thing besides breaking that guy's arm well i did read a little bit about like he was briefly married and they interviewed his like stepchild from that Mm. like brief marriage and that stepchild said he like beat the crap out of them so i'm sure it's always it's always there you know just not like reported um or necessarily like charges filed um but i love Wow, no, stop yawning, Sarah. I love a good cold case solved. Yeah, me that too. That is one of my favorites. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a good one. I agree. Thank you. Shoot, I forgot to look at the Hold detox on, I'll Google question. It. I'll Google, I'll Google it. No, um, no, 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 no. I got one. You got this? Okay. It's a little shallow, but it's okay. Shallow. We're out on the shallow now. Well, I was going to ask one, but now <laughs> I want to ask, what Broadway song can you sing perfectly? Um, none, but... Um, and then do it. Let me tell you a little story, okay? Okay. So during the summers, as you can imagine, I wasn't an athletic child. Really? I wasn't super into sports. Um, but I used to do this thing during the summer. So there's a local community theater in McMinnville called Gallery Theater. It's delightful. It's right off of our main downtown stretch, old timey theater. And there used to be Lane, <laughs> not on Brentano Lane, but in the same town. Um, and during the summer, there was this week that you could sign up for what was called Swing Tones. And it was like a musical theater type thing where you spent the week, you practiced like three hours a day to put together this like hour and a half program of singing all these Broadway songs. And every year was like a different theme, uh-huh. like the decades or like patriotic or whatever. And one year I got the solo where I got to sing New York, New York. Frank nice. Sinatra's New York, New York. Um, so maybe at one time I could sing that perfectly, but that is yeah. today is not that time. No. Okay. Do you have a um, real question? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Ooh. Um, and what do you think that says about you? Mm, hmm. I just threw in that last part. <laughs> you don't have to answer that. Um, Tillamook mudslide. Ooh, that's it's, a good one. It's a real good one. Um, they sell it at my local sprouts. I also like grew up going to the Tillamook mm-hmm. cheese factory, but, uh, you know, and they also make like Tillamook mudslide ice cream sandwiches now, Ooh, which is I real good because I tend to just eat too much of the ice cream in one sitting. So it's good to, you know, just, yeah, portion yeah. control. 
Um, but yeah, um, Tillamook has a flavor that's like chocolate chip or something. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really good because they have the the small chips. I like small mm-hmm. chips. Um, my favorite flavor is just well, my favorite flavor is Thrifty's birthday cake. Okay, but that's very rarely available, so I just stick with a mint chip. Mint chip, mint chip is super yeah. good. That's great. Well, this has been a really good episode. Yeah. Um, Ryan, how was the peanut butter whiskey that you started last episode and still having a glass? He said he it was awful. didn't drink anymore. I would be open to pouring it over, like, vanilla ice cream and seeing if it's good with a... Or a McFlurry. Yeah, a McFlurry, but on its own. All right, 10 out of 10. Does not <laughs> recommend. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe us. Where that was, was that a weird noise? noise. I think it was a car. I didn't like that. Ryan, you're going to have to watch me out to my car tonight. Watch you? Watch me get in my car. Make sure oh. I don't get taken. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe us. Subscribe us. Subscribe, subscribe to us. Subscribe us. Uh, wherever if you podcasts like us, can be found. Write us a review. Put some words in there that don't have to make sense, but click that five star. <laughs> I just wish I could get a gif of you winking there. Um, hit hit follow on um, the Spotify. Hit that download button. Can we talk about how we have 17 listens in the Netherlands? <laughs> what? Like, are they just bored? Like, I don't I understand. Don't I bet you they're making fun of us. I, I wouldn't blame them. I wouldn't blame them either. But thank you for listening, Seriously, Netherlands. what is up, Netherlands? We will come do a show seriously for you anytime. Anytime. Yeah, I got a lot of questions about that demographic makeup. Did you note though when you sent us the list of places that people are listening from that there was not a single McMinnville, Oregon listener? Oh yeah. I was looking on the list and I was like, nope, nope, nope. Cool. Nope. cool Parents cool, 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 don't cool. love Thank us. You. It was funny though, like different cities like Yorba Linda and like Newburgh. Yeah, I was you're like, like I know Joey, who that is. Maddie and Jess. Yeah. Yep. So that's very cool. Um, yeah. Follow Anyways. us on Instagram at Lightweight True Crime. We really want to break 100 followers here soon. I know. We have 17 people listening in Finland. We can get 100 people on Instagram <laughs> to follow us, guys. I feel like, yeah. No, that on. makes sense. Faux show. Well, this has been the best. Yeah, this has been fun. Um, oh, oh, cans. cans. I don't know if they're good. Cheers. <laughs> but cheers. myself i'm just not gonna i'm just not gonna do it i'm just not gonna get sick oh okay is that how that works yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah check back in with me and